Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Today's guest is Susan Sater. She's the executive director of Good Neighbors Active Living Center. Good Neighbors has been supporting seniors with their physical, mental, and emotional well-being for decades, and it's an incredible resource in our city. Susan has been with Good Neighbors for 20 years, or almost 20 years, and she's an expert when it comes to meeting seniors where they're at, you know, with activities, meals, hobbies, friendships, and more. Nothing is going to be the way it used to be. It's so hard to say how things are going to turn out. I think our biggest stumbling block is going to be, like I said, those people that have gotten very comfortable in their aloneness to get them re-engaged. We need to start having fun again. <laughs> I sat down with Susan Sater, Executive Director of Good Neighbors Active Living Centre, to talk about seniors' needs during COVID-19, the importance of dealing with social isolation, and all of the connections and lessons she's acquired over her 20 years with Good Neighbors. Thank you for listening to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined via Zoom by Susan Sater. She's the executive director of the Good Neighbors Active Living Center. Uh, Susan, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I haven't seen you in a couple of years. I did a video for Good Neighbors that I saw was still on your website, which is still there. awesome. Still very yeah. cool. So are people <laughs> still playing pickleball? And what's, what's happening at Good Neighbors? I mean, we haven't oh. spoken for a couple of years, so maybe... Before we get into everything, tell me how um, the last, how COVID has been. Like, I'm assuming you can't meet in person and all the crazy restrictions and stuff, but maybe just take me back to two years ago when this was all starting to kind of settle in and uh, sure. what you and your team sort of did to handle the initial wave and how things have sort of played out for the last couple of years. Absolutely. So yeah, it's definitely been a time of um, oof, a lot of uh, bob and weave and <laughs> kind of go with what you know today because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we had two closures for significant amounts of time. So our first closure, closure was in March of 2020. So when everything just was very new with COVID and, and people were incredibly um, scared, seniors in particular, because they were identified as a vulnerable group uh, to COVID. So we shut down on March 15th and that same day, or 16th, and that same day we had a staff meeting and um, just kind of brainstormed what do we need to do to support the people who participate in our programs. So we have different um, initiatives. So we have Good Neighbor Senior Center where people come and take their fitness classes, their educational sessions, socialize, all those kinds of things. And then we have different projects as well that we, um, that we administer. So we have a congregate meal program. We have a volunteer rides program. We have a supports to seniors in group living program uh, that, where we have two staff that support seniors in four apartment buildings. We have our outreach in Elmwood um, initiative funded through United Way, our home maintenance program. So a lot of different things to consider. What could we continue doing? What did we have to stop doing? What could we do that was new mm. to try to support people during, we didn't know how long it was going to be, but we knew it was going to be some isolation, particularly for those who were coming to Good Neighbors because those were active involved seniors. So it was creating a whole group of now isolated seniors. Right. So yeah, it was very challenging. 
um, I think the very first thing we did was brainstorm, how do we keep getting meals to people? Because mm. that's just a critical one. Um, our congregate meal program at the time was running uh, five days a week, uh, three days a week at one location, two days or three days a week at another location. And so we went right to delivery. We didn't, the, the program is very much supported by volunteers. Mm. So we have a meal coordinator and we have two um, part-time cooks that help him. But other than that, everything is volunteers. And of course we didn't want to put volunteers at risk. Mm -hmm. So it basically became the staff for delivering meals, which was actually kind of nice um, because we were certainly used to seeing people on a daily basis here yeah. at the center and in our other, other capacities where our other staff work. And um, it was actually kind of nice to be able to, to continue to do that. And we were able to expand on the program. It got a huge uptake when we closed and people were being told to self-isolate, stay home. And so we wound up delivering to three apartment buildings five days a week wow. and to another four apartment buildings uh, three days a week. So wow. in total, we were serving uh, se uh, seven buildings. And that's continued. Uh, at one point, I think, um, what are we now, February, probably November, I think, we uh, started to bring back the congregate piece of the meal program because that is so important, people being able to enjoy a meal together. Mm -hmm. But it had a very low uptake. There were a couple of people that came. Certainly for those people, it was really valuable. But then Omicron. So then we discontinue it again. So, um, so in our first closure lasted from March till July. In that time, besides doing the meal delivery, we also... Um, started up a Facebook chat page so our members could stay in touch with one another uh, that way and talk about how they were spending their time, what kinds of things they were doing. Uh, we also, um, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Oh, okay. oh, we also developed a uh, volunteer phone program mm -hmm. so that for those seniors who were more isolated and would like a social visit a couple of times a week over the phone. Um, we made that happen as well. And it's been really interesting. A couple of the volunteers and the seniors have been kind of incredibly good friends now, which is really nice to see. Yeah, um, sure. yeah absolutely. We also worked with other community partners. We were working with um, somebody through United, that we were connected with through United Way to get groceries to seniors. Huge. Uh, we were also doing other meal delivery kinds of things. So through um, Elmwood, they were doing $2 frozen meals. So our staff were busy delivering them in those areas as well. Um, a lot of a lot of information referrals. So helping people with making sure they could get groceries for some, making sure they could get campers delivered through Winnipeg Harvest, CAA offered to do those deliveries. Um, we developed a coping with COVID toolkit uh, as COVID continued to go on mm -hmm. with some occupational therapy students, our healthy aging resource team, and our shared health was involved as well. Um, just to help people, people were so glued to the television at first and right. yeah, my, myself included. And it created so much anxiety about COVID and what was happening. And so the toolkit was really to help people um, 
think about ways that they could detach a bit from that, put routine back into their lives, things like just getting dressed every day, uh, setting some goals for yourself every day, making sure that you're eating well, practicing deep breathing exercises, some meditation, if that's something that worked for them. So just to give people some tips on how to cope with um, some of the fear and also just the length of what was going on. So, so you've been we, busy by the summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the first closure was from March till July. July, we opened again. And it was uh, limited in what we were offering. It was right. basically our fitness classes. Um, and Things that you could stay that, spread out, stay masked. Yeah, and, have yeah. a very big gym. And we were able to do that. Anything where people were close together, we couldn't do. Um, the social distancing guidelines were what they were. Restrictions were what they were. So we, we couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we, uh, we went till um, October. And then we wound up closing again. And I believe we reopened, we reopened in um, August or September, one of those two. Mm-hmm. So it was a really long closure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know for myself, it was, you know, I can imagine how bad it was for the seniors. It was depressing being here. This is such an active, vibrant right. place in here, right? Like it's, there's a lot of activity and, uh, Ugh, to go from that to just, you know, a couple of staff being here because we were taking turns working here and working at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was certainly a long haul. Um, but yeah, we've continued to try to find out from our members what it is that they needed. Um, we did, you know, some outside stuff when we could, um, outdoor programming. Some of our walking groups continued. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a difficult time. When we did reopen, um, the social distancing requirements became more of a recommended. The masks were still mandated. Mm-hmm. So when we reopened, we, we were able to, we decided to um, re-engage with all of our card players, our Mahjong players, our board game club, because they had had no activity at all. Right. And um, they still had to, you know, proof of vaccination, had to sanitize. You know, when we had to do all the contact tracing, we were doing that, and they had to keep their masks on the entire time, Mm -hmm. but they were so happy to Mm -hmm. be able (laughs) to be doing something again and to be with their friends again. So it's it's been, it's been challenging. Yeah. Crazy time. Yeah. I I, I wanted to talk, I wanted to sort of see what, well, like hear what people are saying when it comes to isolation and connection and all that stuff, because it's such an yeah. important part of the human experience. And when that gets oh, taken absolutely. away for people, it's, it's gotta be tough. So what are you hearing from, from the program members that, that are referred, like talking and talking to you guys and telling <laughs> you what's been going on? What are people saying? Or is it, I mean, I'm assuming it's just going to be, you know, we wish we could meet, we understand we can't, but yeah. what are some of some of the themes and, and the trends that you're seeing from from your people? It's been really interesting. There are certainly people who are absolutely craving that getting back together again, being with people. Um, when when we opened up in January, Omicron was kind of raging on at that point, and there was still a lot of uncertainty about it. So we delayed all of our in-person paid programs, but we did continue our drop-in programs. So the people. The groups were definitely smaller that were coming, um, but the people that came were so grateful that we let them still come. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know, they can make a decision for themselves about what they want to do. If they feel safe enough with their mask on, um, then let's just do it. So when we talk pickleball, pickleball has been going 
that's <laughs> going strong. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those pickleball players love their pickleball and, and, and they're here. Um, but the other, uh, the other trend we're seeing is actually quite concerning. Um, people have got very comfortable in their aloneness and we are social creatures. Um, we are meant to be uh, socially engaged and active. And we're finding that some people, uh, because, of, because the isolation was so long, are nervous now about going out besides COVID. I mean, that is still a reality for some. They're still scared about getting out. Um, they may have underlying health conditions. I you know, completely understand that. But there are now some people who, um, are just are nervous about getting out at all. People who haven't driven for a really long time are now nervous about driving, but they don't wanna go on a bus because they're scared of going on the bus. Um, of course, cabs can be expensive. Uh, we're finding that people have lost their social confidence, just that ability to be a social person and visit with people. Um, and we've also heard a lot and, and have seen a lot and heard from our members about this uh, we're calling COVID fog because you're so isolated for such a long period of time it's almost like a, a dulling of your cognition mm -hmm. and a lot of people have been concerned that they've been getting you know are they in the early stages of a dementia wow. but what we've heard from people who were feeling that as they started to get engaged again that went away wow. it started to yeah um just as an example I know um my mom, she, she's no longer with me, but she was somebody who was one of those people who was volunteer extraordinaire. Every day of the week, she was out doing something. And then her health took a turn and she had to become uh, much more sedentary and became isolated besides myself and, and um, my partner. And um, you could see the difference in her cognition. You know, like when, when we would talk, she'd sort of look at me like she was really trying to focus on what I was saying, mm. just from not having that kind of activity that she had before. Wow. So we're looking at ways that we can try to get people out again at a level that's comfortable for them. Um, they may be scared of a big group. Do we do sort of really small group things? And we're talking about possibly you know, getting some volunteers to pick people up and bring them for a small group activity. Uh, we're also looking at developing a, like our coping with COVID toolkit, this would be a re-engaging after COVID isolation toolkit. So normalizing some of those symptoms of prolonged isolation because they are documented from yeah. other things, right? Other, other kinds, kinds of options. Uh, isolation yeah. um so normalizing those for people letting them know that slowly but surely those things will get better um and uh and then sort of trying to figure out some steps that they can take to start getting re-engaged and the importance of it i was in a presentation the other day a webinar and um it was some research that had come out about social isolation and um being socially isolated they has now been proven to have the same effect as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like it, it impacts your physical health uh, as well as your mental health. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, trying to educate people about that, how, the importance of it on your well-being. So it's been an issue even before the pandemic happened, right? For a oh, lot of seniors, right? Yeah. So, and now it's just kind of cranked up to 11 as opposed to, so yeah. 
So, yes. I mean, you, what, what was always great about good neighbors is sort of your ability to be responsive to the needs of your communities. Right. And now yes. this is just a whole new book of, of, uh, of things to be responsive to. Right. So what, uh, do you have any sort of specific, um, maybe tips or tricks for people who are listening right now when it comes to social I- isolation and just being mm-hmm. able to, cause it is like a muscle, right? Like it, it's kind of, if you don't yeah. flex it, your social muscle, when you're talking yeah. about sort of people being uncomfortable, I had the same thing. We went to a, we went to a, a gold eyes game for, and that was my first sort of re-emergence back into yeah. society at, in, in the summer. And it was like, I'm a social creature for sure, but I was kind of like, okay, there's a lot of people here and I'm not used to this, right? Uh, but yeah. yeah, like, do you have any tips or tricks for people just listening of like how you how you and your your team have approached the social isolation problem with with your program members and stuff? Or like how, it, what what's happened? Yeah, it's been very difficult because a lot of social isolation, of course, is because of health issues and mobility issues, um, and also family that has moved away, mm-hmm. uh, friends have passed on. So a lot of a lot of it um, is sort of it, well, it's all circumstantial, um, and it varies for people. Some people can be quite content with just one or two close friends, and they're very happy with that. Where other people need more social connection. Um, certainly, I would say to try to get out. It's a little tricky right now to say that just because of winter and how severe Minus 30, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and just the condition of sidewalks and all of that. Um, But as much as people can, just get out a little bit, you know, go for a walk down the block, Um, stop in at the local store, pick something up, have a little chat with the cashier. Just those little things can make a big difference. In, in in feeling a little bit more connected to others. Has, social, um, has technology helped? Uh, like, have people sort of embraced technology more than before, or, or what's that been uh, like? We certainly noticed a difference with technology uh, during the pandemic. Absolutely, people who are comfortable with iPads, with their computer, with FaceTiming, Zooming, all those kinds of things, makes a huge difference. Um, we were very concerned about those without that, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, people that didn't have that option. Um, we actually applied for a couple, uh, twice to the United Way and got some grants to be able to get, we purchased a whole bunch of um, puzzles and crossword books and Sudoku's and all those kinds of things. And then worked with our community partners to get those out to seniors. So at least it gave them something else to do besides just sitting and watching TV, right? Mm-hmm. Something a little more cognitively stimulating. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, a lot of older adults have been embracing it more. I think their kids are realizing the importance of it too in connecting with their family members. And so they've helped them get set up. We've recently applied for a grant to get um, 10 iPads so that people can come and take a class Mm -hmm. and learn how to use it and see if it's something that they feel would then be worth the investment. Because um, it's scary you, if you've not used it before. You um, had cla- you had classes like that before the pandemic yeah. even started. I remember just yeah. to try to get the tech into people's hands and figuring it out and stuff. Yeah, it, it's yeah. daunting. It's, I understand. Oh, like absolutely. imagine, imagine all of a sudden, you know, the the last twenty years of techno technological advancement, and you haven't even kept up on anything, and then all of a sudden you're forced to sit in front oh, of a computer oh, or whatever. Like it's it's yeah, overwhelming to begin with. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But it definitely is helpful for people to be able to stay to stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. So like. Yeah. 
I keep thinking and talking and hearing about sort of the mental health pandemic that's going to be coming after the physical health pandemic that we're currently living in. Um, How are you preparing for that and trying to maintain connections with people as much as possible, realizing that there is going to be um, a lot of mental health issues that people are going to be dealing with and going through and and trying to understand. So like, do you, are you trying to be proactive about that or what's, what's the plan for good neighbors? Yeah. So part of our, um, I was uh, speaking about the um, uh, re-engaging after COVID isolation toolkit. We are partnering with the Canadian Mental Health Association to be able to offer um, webinars and hopefully some in-person, in-person sessions as well, where we talk about those kinds of things about re-engaging. So what people have gone through, how difficult it has been for people. Um, and then again, sort of supporting them in getting re-engaged and the importance of that. And it's so great that, um, Canadian Mental Health has agreed to do this with us because they're the experts in this. Um, so if things start to come up for people, during the webinar, they're the experts there to help with that. And they can then follow up with those people. Um, So yeah, we're really glad to have them on board. Uh, We also have been referring people to ANO support services to seniors if they're feeling right now, if they're feeling depressed, anxious, all those kinds of things that have come along with the pandemic. We know that we can connect with ANO to get them some uh, counseling. There's no charge to it. Um, so it's a lot of information referral kinds of things. Mm-hmm. We also have also work very closely with our healthy aging resource team in River East, and they do a lot of case management, helping people again that are isolated, helping them um, uh, making sure they have what they need mm-hmm. as they isolate, but then also again encouraging their involvement and making referrals where appropriate. Um, there's certainly you know so many issues in people getting. Uh, getting out and getting involved in COVID is just another one that <laughs> just sort of plopped down and uh, yeah, yeah, has had a significant impact. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's unprecedented, right? Like uh, for everyone, right? So even saying, you know, the, the CMHA are the experts, nobody's gone through some, this mass traumatic no. event before yeah. together, right? So like, how, how, has it been for you just partnering with all these different organizations and trying to stay connected to your, your, your members and your, you know, everyone that's sort of within your umbrella, which is a, yeah. be- you know, beautiful community that good neighbors sort of represents and, and has created, but like, yeah. what's it like for you personally trying to maintain all of these different professional and personal connections yeah. with, with all the restrictions and all the limitations and, and yeah. you know, just trying to try to survive at the end of yeah. the day? it's big. (laughs) It's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of bobbing and weaving. Um, I have to say that certainly what we talked about, sort of the technology, uh, how many more of our members have become more technology savvy because we've gone to a lot of Zoom meetings. Nobody was Zoom meeting before, you know, and now these seniors can do it. They're comfortable doing it. They still prefer to get together. And as restrictions loosen, of course, they're going to come together again. Um, but they've gotten comfortable with it and used to it. So we, we keep business going along that way. Um, certainly with our membership at large, it's a lot of um, emailing a lot. Our, our newsletter still goes out every two months. So let people know what's going on, that we're thinking of them. Um, always letting them know they can call us if they need help with anything at all. We will do our very best to get them what they need. Um, 
again, that volunteer phoning program has been a big one as well to help people feel not so isolated. Uh, for myself, um, a lot of the community partners I work with are located in this area. So it's been pretty easy. I mean, we, again, the Healthy Aging Resource Team that I talked about, their office is right next door to mine. So that makes life a lot easier. Um, but with other community partners as well, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you do what you can. I have to say, I've been amazed at the support um, that we have received. You know, when, when we first closed for the first time, our, our board met and we thought we're gonna have to lay people off. Um, we don't know how we're gonna survive this, you know? So certainly to get all the federal support that we got at first, um, the, wage, uh, the wage subsidy program helped us immensely. Um, all of the grants that came out, Winnipeg Foundation, we were very fortunate that we got two $50,000 grants uh, to be able to continue during COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we would have done without that, you know? Um, United Way as well, the, the funds that they gave us to get, you know, cognitive stimulating things into people's hands. I, I've just been amazed at provincial support as well, the different grants, the city had grants. Um, it, it's just been fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And it actually, um, one of the other pieces of it for us is um, this whole virtual programming world that we've entered into because we had to. Um, there was no other way for us to do programs for a very long period of time. And um, again, it, I think the first grant was provincial that we got to be able to pay our instructors. We were able to offer eight week sessions for free so that people could try them. We didn't know if people would if they had to pay. So it was nice to be able to offer them for free. So many of the seniors love them and want us to continue. <laughs> there are mm -hmm. some that come here for some programs, but prefer to do their fitness programs at home, in their own home, where they're comfortable, you know. Um, we got the message loud and clear once we started those that they really wanted to be able to continue that as an mm -hmm. option. So we, we want to do both. We certainly don't want to be exclusively virtual. We're all about bringing people together. Um, and that is so meaningful, but sure, you know, to be able to, you know, go into this world and to have been able to support our seniors during that time by doing those things was really valuable, really, really valuable. Yeah. Is that, is that social isolation thing and the mental health issue, is, do you yeah. see that as the biggest gap when, when we're sent, sort of, I mean, we're recording this on uh, Friday where we just heard about the, you know, mandates are going to be slowly kind of. Yeah eroding. So what do you see as the biggest gap or the biggest challenge once we sort of quote unquote return to normal? I mean, what, what does that even mean? Is, is that even possible? I would say, I would argue no, but what do you yeah. see for, for your work and, and for your team? What's the biggest challenge going to be uh, sort of reintegrating and, and returning to some semblance of normalcy? Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it's nothing is going to be the way it used to be. Um, <laughs> It's so hard to say how things are going to turn out. I think our biggest stumbling block is going to be, like I said, those people that have gotten very comfortable in their aloneness to get them re-engaged. Um, we are going to be looking at developing a, a plan for the next year to look at steps that we can take to get people involved. We need to start having fun again. <laughs> you know, it's been such a serious, serious time and um, we, it, it, we need to get people to realize that 
we want to be careful, we want to be safe, but being risk-free from COVID isn't necessarily the biggest contributor to your health and well-being, um, especially as hopefully <laughs> things start to go down in terms of spreading and all those kinds of things. Um, and certainly uh, this being a comfortable, being comfortable with being alone isn't necessarily a very healthy thing for people. Um, life is short. I mean, we need to live it. We don't just need to exist it. <laughs> well said. Yeah, yeah. And especially because, uh, you know, the demographic that you're serving most often mm -hmm. is probably pretty tapped into the six o'clock news and that they're yeah. probably leading with, here's how many people have died from COVID. Here's all the COVID, COVID, yeah. COVID, 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 COVID. Yeah. And that's got to be a tough thing to sort of disconnect from when oh, you're so, sure. you know, um, when you're so connected and so just like jacked into the matrix of, you know, the COVID oh, matrix, right? So like having that, people I, decouple yeah. themselves from that is going to be difficult. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I was just as guilty of that every day I was checking those. Well, posts. you have to know though, right? We have to know. What but for work, yeah. certainly. I have yeah, to yeah, yeah. But I found myself like as soon as, you know, about 1230, I'd start looking right away to see what the numbers were. <laughs> time. And, and uh, it, it's, yeah, it can almost become addicting and it's not a healthy thing to do. Um, you know, I'm not saying people should completely ignore it now, but we need to, we need to balance, right? right. There, there is so much more to life than just this. Yeah. And, you know, I hope, hope, hope we're also done with it. I hope <laughs> it's on its way out, please. Um, so how are, how are no you straight? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if we're, if it's not going to be over, we'll continue to deal with it as best as we can. Um, but if it is on its way out, we are going to work really hard at getting people back um, and, and, and enjoying life again. So how are you personally, what are you doing to enjoy life and, and strike that balance and try to stay sane in, in during the <laughs> chaos? Um, it's been, yeah, it's been really interesting. I, um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I don't live alone. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, I actually, uh, met my husband during the pandemic and <gasps> wow. yeah, I just got very married cool. in October. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank awesome. you. It was very nice timing. We were able to have a wedding with a dance floor and about 80 people, which nice. was nice. So, so yeah, the timing was really good. And I have to say one of the, certainly one of the things I, I saw there was how happy everybody was to be at something like that again, mm -hmm. you know, um, I wasn't sure if people were going to dance because you still have to keep your mask on. As soon as that music started, boom, people were on the dance floor. And it was so nice because we have, you know, I have um, my family, my husband's family, and everybody just, it was almost like family reunions going on. People hadn't been together in a group like that in so long. So um, certainly that was a lesson about how important that kind of connection is and how joyful that kind of thing is. Um, but yeah, I, I am somebody also who has some underlying health things. So I'm, I'm asthmatic. So I've been very nervous about uh, COVID myself and have done things to, you know, we don't go out very much at all. We, when Omicron came around, we were really, again, limiting ourselves and people coming over and all of that. Again, two years in a row, we had Christmas with just the two of us. Um, you just yeah. do what you have to do. Um, but we are fortunate with my husband has two great kids. We, uh, have a new little granddaughter who was born in September. Oh my God. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, spending some time with family, um, we're, you know, we're all vaccinated. So we all feel, you know, quite comfortable. Um, 
and uh, certainly connecting with my friends there and, and my family, my cousins, we FaceTime. Um, it, it, making sure you're keeping those connections going. For me, that's really important. My girlfriends are everything to me. So mm-hmm. it's so important that I stay in touch with them. And when we couldn't, yeah, we did it on FaceTime. We talked on the phone. So, yeah. Do you feel like there's been a slight social realignment of priorities when it comes, you know, like it it seems to me the things that I used to sweat kind of don't really matter anymore when Mm -hmm. we've gone through this sort of collective traumatic experience with everyone, you know, some of, some of the things that I used to think were important, I don't anymore. And and now I really realize the value, you know, my parents are getting up there in age and Mm -hmm. and just, just, I, I, I don't know. I, it really shows what's important. Right. And and it's kind of a, Yeah. How, how have you found the, the last two years when it comes to just like shifting priorities to, yeah. to that family yeah. as opposed to work or, you know, what it would oh, be? I agree with you completely. Family is everything. Um, we, I actually did have a family member that we lost uh, due to COVID very early on. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was a, a you know, incredibly difficult situation. My, my heart just broke for my auntie and my other cousins that were siblings. Um, And so, and of course we couldn't be together. Um, Nobody could be together. Um, And it was a lot of, (laughs) a lot of women, we have the family group chat and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't until this past, um, was it September or August where we were finally, we got together to be able to do the internment of my cousins ashes and then we had a family thing at my other cousins it was outside so we could stay together um and yeah absolutely you realize how important all of that is as compared to the other stuff (laughs) you know it it just doesn't it it just doesn't matter the small stuff you know having having those yeah having those connections is massive uh for the the wedding I had so much of my um, mom's side of the family fly in because nobody lives here from my mom's side mm. so so many of them flew in and it meant the world to me that they did that and again it's just yeah family is absolutely everything beautiful so yeah. for, so for good neighbors like what's what's next what's what are you prioritizing for the next you know month or so what are you guys focusing yeah. on what, what what where's the energy being spent for the next little bit once we kind of can start l- pulling back the restrictions and people can start reconvening. What are you guys focused on? I think it's really just sort of getting back at it, like getting back to um, bringing people together. Um, We, we know we want to be, you know, very deliberate in how we're going to go about doing this. Um, We want to get our membership back up again. We lost about a third of our members. Um, So we had a significant drop these people weren't doing anything. They weren't coming here. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is what it is. And we really want to get that built back up again, because we know the impact this place has on people's lives. And, and it's, um, we see it every day. It's why I love working here. (laughs) I feel so fortunate that I'm in a job where I can walk out of my office and just see this activity happening everywhere, you know, um, you're bringing we, joy. You're straight up bringing joy to people's lives. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. When we when we reopened in the fall, oh, just so nice to hear laughing again, and just yeah, people being so happy to see one another again. So it really is about let's get back to what we did. 
um, and support those people that need the support in getting back to re-engaging. Those are probably the biggest priorities for us. So for Winnipeg seniors that uh, like what they're hearing and want to maybe try pickleball or cards, I know you had like wood whittling and there's so much different things to do. Where can they find more information on on Good Neighbors? Well, they can go to our website. So our website is uh, GNALC, like for Good Neighbors Active Living Center, GNALC.ca. Our newsletters are put up there every every, uh, two months. And uh, they can certainly give us a call at any time. We're open Monday to Friday. From our, our front desk is open from 9 until 3.30. So they can pop by. They can come take a look around the place, pick up a newsletter if they want a hard copy of one, talk to the front desk about what they might be interested in, and we can give them some suggestions. There's something um, for everyone, too. There's literally oh, something absolutely, for absolutely. And it really is a... <sighs> For anybody coming in for the first time, it can be an intimidating thing. It's a big place and they don't know anybody, but we we have fantastic volunteers. Those are the people that you see as soon as you walk in at our front desk. They are going to welcome you. They will answer any questions you may have. We have a great used bookstore. Again, our volunteers, they're fabulous. They'll you know, talk to you about who your favorite authors are. They keep lists of people with their favorite authors and give them a call when some books come in. Uh, our cafe is now open two days a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 till 1. And so we offer soup, sandwiches, salads, um, sort of dessert treat kinds of things. Anybody can come in. The prices are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Again, run by our volunteers. They are just great. That's certainly something you feel when you come in here is the volunteer presence, which is fantastic. Um, <clears throat> and I think it speaks to the organization that our volunteers, that we have so many volunteers and they want to be part of this. So when you come in for the first time, it may feel a bit intimidating, but I promise you're going to have a great experience. So come on down. (laughs) GNALC.ca. You can watch the video that I made. It's still on the front page. Yes, it's on the website. It gives a little little sort of like couple minutes of breakdown of what what people can expect. Susan, you always have such good vibes. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You're 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 the best. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. At the end of our time together, we do a little section Mm -hmm. called Just Because, where I ask uh, every single guest the same seven questions all about the causes you care about and the effect that it has on your lives. Thus the name, the cause and effect. Are you okay to go through those with us? Yes, let's do it. All right. Question one. What is the very first cause you actually ever remember caring about? I I think it was probably animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a major animal person. I love basically anything with fur. <laughs> you have pets um, now? Yes, I do. Yeah. I have a cat. Uh, her name's Khaleesi. It has to do with Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, I'm familiar with yes, da- yes. Daenerys. Yes, I am. Yes. Very nice. Yes, she's the, cool. the queen of the household. Um, and uh, yeah, she was a, a little feral cat. Um, oh. So we uh, actually a friend of mine's daughter rescued her. <clears throat> and um, she couldn't keep her because they had a dog and the cat was scared. The police was scared of the dog. So she's basically living upstairs. And my other cat had passed and she said, she heard me saying, I was starting to look at the Humane Society webpage and she said, need a cat? I have a cat. <laughs> and I went and met her and it was just love at first sight. I love her. Wonderful. Um, and I couldn't have cat, any pets when I was kids because my brother had horrible allergies. Mm. Um, so as soon as I was out on my own, yes, I started getting animals right away. I've had 
a, a whole bunch of dogs and cats over the years. And, and yeah, so I think that was probably the first cause. Um, I just have such a soft spot for animals. We are fostering a dog on Sunday. Oh. We're getting one delivered. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this, I've never had a pet either ever in my life. My parents never just, we never had time. Oh. Like we were always in hockey and stuff. So any tips for, for a new pet owner? We're, we're getting it. <laughs> I think be patient, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, especially, I mean, they're, they're new to your home and they're scared mm -hmm. and they, you know, have to get used to the people and the surroundings and all of that. There might be some accidents if it's a dog. <laughs> I find with cats, it's amazing. You just show them their litter box and they're good to go. Um, but yeah, you will love it. I'm excited. Um, oh, it's, it's the best thing in the world. When I come home and that little critter comes running out and she's squawking away, telling me about her day, it just makes my heart so happy. So beautiful yeah. question two, uh, if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen in support of your current cause. What would you do? Um, <laughs> I would make sure that transportation was available to every single senior in the city, because that is one of the biggest barriers to being able to participate. So transportation that's appropriate for their needs, whether it's somebody who is low income and can't afford to get out to somewhere, uh, whether they're on a bad bus route and need car service to get somewhere, um, if they need assistance. Or just shoveled out, just getting yeah. shoveled out of yeah, the front yard. Being shoveled out, absolutely, absolutely. It's a big deal, especially mm -hmm. this winter, my gosh. Mm -hmm. um, that would probably be the biggest thing to be able to just provide citywide transportation, low cost, no cost, just so people can get out to do what they want to do and often what they need to do just to get groceries into the house and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, we take it for granted hundred percent. Oh, just, the, I know. just being able to move yeah. freely yeah. and having access to vehicles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's a great answer for sure. Yeah. Uh, question three, what is the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause? Um, oh, there's so many misunderstandings and stigmas about seniors. Um, a, a lot of people, when they think of seniors, they right away think of somebody really, really frail, shuffling along. Um, I would encourage anyone who thinks that to come into my center and just see the level of activity. These are vibrant, um, so intelligent, so active uh, seniors. I've learned so much. I've been very blessed to have had this job for almost 20 years now. I've been with Good Neighbors. I have learned so much from the people that I work with, the seniors, they have all sorts of experience. And, and, and it, I, it's just such a gift to me to have been able to be in this position and to have learned from them. And you know what? Even the people who are sh shuffling along in our frailer are still people who can contribute, who care, who love, who want to be engaged. Um, so yeah, it, these are people of value. And they're often devalued in our, in our society. So the wisdom you must be privy to on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, unbelievable. I'm so fortunate ever since I've been here, I have had our board of directors. So this is over 20 years have been so supportive and get the concept and get the importance of it. And I've learned, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even explain how much I've learned from them over the years. It's, the it's just been, yeah. Wonderful. Awesome. 20 yeah. years. That's huge. Congratulations. On yeah. That. Thank so, you. Yeah. September. Hard to believe. I, I planned to stay for five when I started and 
I loved it so much. I've just never gotten bored here. I, yeah, it's great work. I'm very yeah. fortunate. Time flies when you're having fun, they say. Yeah, for sure. Question four, what is a recent victory or not, it doesn't have to be recent. What's a victory that uh, either professionally or personally that you can share with us? Um, I would say probably the growth of our center over the last 20 years. Mm. Um, when I first started, there were, uh, there was myself, a full-time program coordinator and a part-time program assistant. And we're now a staff of 10. We have, uh, we've been very fortunate to have, who, to have um, been able to get funding to do all these different initiatives. So like the outreach in Elma through United Way, our home maintenance program, our Prevent Elder Abuse Manitoba, supports to seniors in group living. Those are all things that came along over the last 20 years. The growth that we've had has been fantastic. We are the only center of our kind in the city. Um, this facility is another accomplishment over the last 20 years. When I first started, we were in a, a very well-used but run-down <laughs> City of Winnipeg building, and we were able to partner with the City and Bronx Park Community Center to develop this location. And it it's awesome. Been, yeah, it's been amazing. We're very fortunate to be here. So yeah, I would say, I'd say the growth is something that I feel really good about. I was certainly not alone in doing it, um, but I feel really happy to have had a part in that. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, question five, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? That's my, that's from my mom. Um, my mom uh, was an amazing woman. And I hope I don't get too emotional here. Uh, she was um, a fighter. She had to overcome a lot in her life. And the biggest lesson I absolutely learned from her was keep going. <laughs> um, always one foot in front of the other, get up, get dressed, show up. Um, she, <laughs> Just if, if anyone ever says to me that I'm half the woman my mother was, I would be thrilled to pieces. I mean, she has been the greatest role model. And I was very fortunate that she was my mom for 50 years. Uh, she was, I was 50 when she passed. Wow. And um, yeah, it, it's just a don't give up. Keep going. Life gets hard sometimes. Gets very hard sometimes. But keep moving. That's definitely the biggest piece of advice I've gotten. Just keep swimming. Keep swimming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on the advice train, staying on the advice mm -hmm. train, uh, what yeah. advice would you give your 10 year old self if you could talk to her? <laughs> um, probably, probably that it is okay that you're sensitive. I <laughs> have was a sensitive kid. I'm still a sensitive person. Um, and I sometimes, you know, when, when you're growing up, you get told, oh, you know, stop crying. It's not a big deal. All those kinds of things. You know, Disney movies I was crying in, uh, television shows I would cry. Um, and, you know, being too sensitive can be hard sometimes, but it also can be such a, a gift. It's led me to do what I do because I, I care about people and I want to do good things for them. Um, it helps you to tune into people and sort of meet them where they're at. So it, I think it is much more of a strength than a hindrance. Um, so yeah, that would probably be it. Beautiful. Yeah, no kidding. Well, every time I've talked to you, I just get this sense of, I don't know, inspiration. You know, you're just, you're <laughs> real. You're a real one, you know, and it's, 
It's great to talk to you again. So thank you very much for being on the podcast. This is, it's, it's an honor. Uh, the last question is usually the hardest one. It is yeah. question seven. What is, what do you want to be remembered for? That is a very hard question. <laughs> um, I think, I think it would be, I want to be remembered for um, doing my best. Um, sometimes it's harder than other times with circumstances going on and those kinds of things. Um, but I really do, uh, you know, always want to be the best me I can be for myself, for my husband, for my family, for my workplace. So I, th I think it would be, um, yeah, that I always did my best. Beautiful. Well, thank you for the conversation today. Yeah. Uh, G -N it's so good to see you. It's a, it's a pleasure. GNALC.ca yeah. uh, for all the information. I'm assuming you guys are accepting applications for uh, volunteers and, and yeah. everything right yeah. now, right? So. Always. And I, I just want to throw the phone number out too for those that might not have uh, internet. The phone number is 204-669-1710. Beautiful. 204-669-1710 or GNALC.ca. Susan, thank you again for being uh, on the podcast today. It's great to oh, see you. Oh, you're very welcome. And yes, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll connect in the future on on whatever projects. Absolutely. Forward, but keep, yeah. keep us posted on what's happening and we'll, we'll happy to share it out uh, on our channels and everything as well. So thanks. we'll do. Thank you. Thank you again to Susan Sater for the conversation today. It was really great to talk to you and learn a little bit about what's happening down at Good Neighbors. Uh, like I mentioned, you can go to gnalc.ca to uh, to learn all about Good Neighbors. It's a really great place to just keep connection alive. You know, sometimes later in our years, uh, it's tough to, to make friends and, and keep those relationships going. And Good Neighbors does an amazing job with, and there's so many different activities you can do there too, including pickleball, which if you haven't played it, you have to try it because it's a really cool sport. All music on this show is composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music by visiting, looking up Trenton Burton on Spotify. The Cause and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. You can learn more about the foundation by following at WPGFDN on all our social media accounts or by going to WPGFDN.org on your browser. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for Because and Effect. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can't help getting older, but you don't have to get old. Bye-bye.